Well, welcome to the Follow Up Podcast. My name is Hayden. I am the worship director here at Arbor Church, and today I'm joined by Allison Aconi, our associate pastor, and Ryan Plants, our lead pastor. That's right. I'm here. This is uh, this is not our ordinary podcast. We took not at all special yeah. edition. Brace yourselves, everyone. <laughs> Brace. Yep. Uh, we actually missed our podcast recording because we were on a retreat in Chelan. Yeah. Um, spending some time as a team, planning for the future, <laughs> yeah. uh, things like that. So what we're going to do today is we're kind of going to try and take two weeks worth of podcast, put into one week of podcast, and instead of doing you know two separate episodes, we're just going to talk about um, the two weeks, kind of look at... Philippians 1, 12 through 30, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the, the chunk? So Yeah, I mean, this is, when you think about it, it's a value episode. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's Two podcasts. Same amount of, of time, <laughs> yep. but twice the spiritual content. I would, so, I would get a piece of paper. I'd get yeah. a pen. You're yeah. going to need to write things down. It's going to be real You might need to watch content. it a second time, which will defeat the purpose for the or, two for one. But, or watch it once on half speed. Yes. <laughs> Whatever saves time. Watch it twice or once on half speed is is the real quick, you know, if you're out there and you listen to podcasts on half speed, what is name, wrong with you? Write your name in the comments. Yeah. What is wrong we with you? We want to know who you are. We want to minister to you. Because what is wrong with you? But it makes you think, why is it an option? If no one does it, why is it an option? Yeah, that's a really good question. I've never listened to a podcast half speed, and I've I only don't think I would trust anyone who does. Yeah. You know what? There is one speaker. Have you ever heard Dr. Caroline Leaf? She blew us away at Catalyst. I don't know if you remember that, but she got out there. I like there, her last name. And she goes, <laughs> <laughs> so on brand. Yeah. She goes a million miles an hour. She's the only person I think I would want to listen to at half speed. And because in she's, fact, she, I, I might. She's naturally like her voice is just speed. <laughs> yes. Her voice is so high that it kind of brings it down to a normal pitch. She's so fast. She's she talks about neuroscience, and um, I think she talks to much smarter people that than are really in the crowd. <laughs> so mm. yeah, she's used to going fast. Not a bunch of people like us pastor folk. Right. And you yeah. slow it down. <laughs> That's a five dollar word you use there. <laughs> Break that down for me. Um, all right. Well. Now that we got the jokes out of the way, let's hop into uh, the past two weeks. Ryan, you spoke two weeks ago on uh, 12 to 18A. Yeah. Okay, 12 to 18A. Yep. And then Scott um, preached on Sunday, and his was 18B, 18B all the way 30. through the end of the chapter. Yeah. Um, so let's just, first off, let's, br- let's break down our breakdowns of the scripture, right? So the first totally. week was 1 through 12, which kind of included... Um, the greeting from Paul. Yeah, 1, one through 11, it was Paul's greeting, um, him just kind of like saying, what's up to the Philippians? And, you know, we had we had originally said, you know, oftentimes those intros we skip over really quickly because there's not, we don't think there's important stuff in it. But there was, you know, a lot of important stuff in there. And we saw kind of Paul's posture. He says here at the beginning of verse 1, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, and that's all. You know, that's his posture of humility, a, a posture of servanthood and submission, not self-interest. And then um, we see um, kind of Paul's perspective and how he's looking at the situation, that he's looking at it through his partnership with these people. He thanks God for them. He's practicing gratitude. And he's also remembering the promises of God. Um, you know, he's talking about, you know, my God who will, who started, what verse was that? Verse um Six. Six. Verse six, he writes, For I am sure of this very thing, that the one who began a good work in you will perfect it 
until the day of Christ Jesus. And so like he's got this long-term perspective on what God is doing in his life and in his world. And these are kind of like the the starting points yeah. of, of the joy that exists in Paul's life. Mm. So um, that was the first week. Second week, we hopped into um, 12 through 18a. And yeah. Ryan, you spent the the majority of that time talking about the perspective and the posture of resilient joy and then what you referred to as kingdom providence. Yeah, I called it the kingdom principle of providence. And the reason I called it that was, A, I mean, what Paul's really grounded in here is God's providence. Uh, but kind of drawing it back to Romans 8, 28, a really you know well-known verse amongst people who have been following Jesus for any length of time. Um, that, that verse, this idea that like, you know, God works all things together for good for those that love him and have been called according to his purpose. I mean, those are people who are kingdom citizens. And so this principle of providence applies to those who are in the kingdom, because what Paul's getting at here is Paul's stuck in prison and he's just got this like, you know, unflappable joy. I mean, he's just like, it's, it's fine. And, you know, I want you to know my brothers and sisters that my situation has actually turned out to, to advance the gospel. And it was so important to recognize that Paul's not like trying to like do silver linings. You know, we had talked in some of our sermon development meetings about like the problem with like, well, oftentimes the way we try to make a situation better is to like, look at the good in the situation and hurry to that and hurry to that. And, And it's not like Paul's like, you know what? I needed a break. I got a roof over my head. I got to catch up on some writing and some reading. Like Paul's like, no, like I'm in prison. And as you can imagine, prison is pretty terrible, but like it's, it's all worked out for good. And, and the good isn't like, yeah, the roof over his head and his thing with the, with the being able to write the good is he, the gospel's advancing. Like that's what, that's what, that's what's good for Paul. Which is his true delight. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's his, his life's purpose. And so it is actually being fulfilled. But what's, what's like, so, I mean, it's right there, right in front of our faces, right? Like that's where Paul's joy is coming from, is this um, resilient, uh, this this genuine belief that like, man, the gospel's advancing and so I can take joy. But like, that's, I, I want that to be true of my life, but it's just, it's just not 100% true of my life. My happiness and joy hang on so many other things than the advancement of the gospel. I know. And it's just, it's just like you read that and you're like, Lord, like, may mm-hmm. it be so with yes. me. Yes. Well, what totally. I think is interesting about this conversation, and we, we had kind of uh, primed uh, the congregation and the audience to um, the idea that we're not leaning into or, or preaching about toxic positivity is without, without the relationship with Jesus and the the future hope of eternity with him, that's what it can feel like, right? When we're in these circumstances. And I think that that's where um, the biggest shift happens in your walk with Jesus. If, if you're not in relationship with him or have that hope of eternity and this is all a matter of perspective, mm-hmm. it can feel like toxic positivity. That totally. Paul's just like, yeah, it's, it's going to work out. I have faith. Like, this is, this is all right. I'm okay with it. But it's like you, you see in Scott's, week, the, um, this last Sunday where he talks about, um, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Like it's not the same exact conversation, but it is similar in the fact that like Paul is really pointing out to the church in Philippi that like, this is a matter of perspective and it can feel really tough in the moment and circumstances can suck. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's about shifting your perspective and where are you putting your, 
what are you investing in and what are you, um, I don't know, what egg, what basket are you putting all of your eggs in, right? Yeah, and it comes down to that perspective. And as you were talking, Hayden, you know, another word that's that came to mind in that moment that I've been thinking about a lot lately is this idea of focus and where we put our focus on. And oftentimes what we focus on is the very thing that forms us. And so what can we do as mm. people to affix our focus on the right things? And that's just something I'm wrestling with right now because I do think that's a component of experiencing like supernatural joy, which is, you know, a supernatural delight in the promises, presence, and people of God. Uh, that doesn't just come overnight. And that's what I liked about Scott's um, message. And I was really blessed to hear this was he's like, this is Paul's perspective. Like he said, for to me, mm-hmm. to yeah. live is Christ and to die is gain. Mm-hmm. And it's not like Paul got there overnight. Like Paul's writing this kind of unbeknownst to him, but at the end of his life. And he's, he's coming up to the end. And Paul's gone on quite a journey to get to this spot. Decades of giving his life over to gospel ministry. Years and years of hardship and suffering and, and imprisonments and shipwrecks and being stoned and like just the most miserable things you can imagine. He's going through all that. And that's what led him to this spot at the end of his life where he's like, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And you're just like, okay, God, like, is that what it takes? You know? And so I, I, I don't think, I, we're, we're not all called to be Paul. Yeah. Thank God. You know, like, well, and I think what's interesting going through these, these three weeks of Philippians is when you first came in on, um, you came as part of the staff, Ryan, we started talking, it was like maybe once a week in our staff meetings, we had mentioned the word tension and like tension has just been this like <laughs> word that we talk about a lot of like, it's not one or the other. It's the tension, sure. right? Yep. And um, I think it's something that we're learning as a staff again. And I think that's something that, unfortunately, if you call yourself a Christian, it's something that you're going to become very familiar with is like there is – I'm trying to phrase this the best way. Sometimes we don't like the moderation, and it's easier just to swing the pendulum, right? Of like, And I think that's also some worldly wisdom of um, – you should just be all about this or all about that. You should be all in. And what we're holding to in the teachings from Philippians and as a staff is learning, like that's what a mature Christian looks like. Someone that's holding a hand on both of these things. Right. And it's not swinging back and forth. And that's what even Paul mentions in Scott's week of, I would love to go be with Jesus, but it's for your sake and for your betterment that I'm still here working with you guys. And that tension that he holds on to. Um, and I don't think he, I don't think he mentions that as a reframing of his of his circumstance, right? It's an actual honor to him to be caught in this tension. Um, and I think so far it's kind of been um, not a prominent, but maybe a background theme of the first three weeks of Philippians, um, Resilient Joy, has been this tension that we're going to continue to hold on to and realize that there's a lot of tensions oh, totally. in our walks with Jesus. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, going into next week, uh, Chapter two, verses one through eleven. Jesus, um, Jesus was exalted after being made low. I mean, like you, there are these these extremes that we live in and between, and um, there's so much of that, so much of that tension in this in this first chapter. Yeah. Um, I want to before we get too much. We've kind of been 
all around these past three weeks. Before we get into Scott's week, I'd like to just spend some more time on um, week two. We talked about already the um, providence, principle providence? What Posture. Posture. The kingdom Posture. principle oh, Thank you. Provision. Thank you. Um, providence, sorry. I'm curious, in your, I know I'm asking you to go back a couple weeks in yeah. your research, but when did that become very evident? Because when I read through that, um, that passage, that wasn't the point that stuck out. But then after hearing your message and rereading it, it's very clear how that came out. Was that something that early on you identified as, okay, this is where I think we should be heading for this scripture? Or did it come later in the process? No, I knew that there was like a perspective component in this, in this whole first chapter. At least that's a thread that I'd seen and, and continued to see. Um, but originally, um, I was going to peel off some earlier ideas from the first week on like Paul's partnership and Paul's um, reliance on that promise in Philippians 1.6 and kind of drive deeper into those. Uh, but the more I looked in, in the passage, I was like, well, we can go there, but that's not exactly where Paul has gone here. Um, he's certainly talking about his partnership and his gratitude for the brothers and sisters who are more boldly and faithfully preaching the gospel. Like that is a source of joy for him in all of this. And there is joy in like this, he's, he's seeing that um, these imperial guards are hearing the gospel and the word is getting out. But there wasn't a sense in which like, we saw Paul in these few verses, like relying like any promises from God. Uh, not that those might not have been in the back of his mind or anything, but like they're not explicit in the text. I think what was clear was this idea that he's able to rejoice because Christ is being proclaimed, um, that like the gospel is going out. Um, the verse 12, that my situation has actually turned out to advance the gospel. It was like, this is all about the gospel right now. Like that's really what's firing Paul up right now. And that's, that's just like, if we're going to go after joy, then that's what our lives need to be about. And so getting at the providence piece, it was like, well, Paul, even in the midst of like suffering, even in the midst of him being like blocked out from doing the thing that he has been doing passionately through suffering, he's still like, but God's still using this for that end, which only reinforces, I guess, his promise in one six that like, he's going to complete it. He's going to complete it. And so to know, to somehow find a way where we can entangle our lives with the advancement of the gospel through our lives, like th that our joy would be entangled to that, is a surefire way to experience joy. And I'm still unpacking, like, how do you go after that? Like, how, how do you do that in your lives, you know? Mm -hmm. You had mentioned week one. Do you find when you're preaching through a series, this is a question for both um, Ryan and Allison, attention to pull that common narrative thread through the weeks? Or do you have not necessarily that urge and just let the the scripture speak for itself and you know that, hey, this is all in Philippians. There's already a connection. I don't need to artificially or even try that hard to find the connection between last week and this week. Well, I think for me, I've got a um, speaking date in another month, let's say, or no, sorry, it's coming up faster than I thought, like three weeks. So I've been studying and researching and I can't 
tell if it's because I'm being immersed on Sundays and through the weeks in Philippians with our reading plan and all that, if that's why so many things are echoing to me in my prep for (laughs) Philippians 3, or is it because Paul keeps referring back to these things. So he himself is drawing this thread through our speaking calendar um, and that there will be these this building up of ideas and a continuation um, of themes throughout. So I think it's actually Paul that did it for us, and it makes it easy for us because I feel like repetition um, helps us remember things. And so I probably will be pulling a lot from these first few weeks. Yeah. Did I, you intentionally? Well, I pick think a thread that, that's or find tr- it just there naturally. I think you. I think trying to find it there naturally is the way like you i would never try to create the thread you know what i mean like that would just be a total disaster like really just and not that i'm finding it or we're finding it as a team i mean we're reading other books and learning from other really smart people who've gone before us and read this letter far more thoroughly than even we have and so i think reading those books and reading through the text and kind of seeing them for ourselves you kind of pull those threads and you're just like, yeah, like this seems like where it's going. And you just kind of like trust that like as you do the work, these these themes will come out and we'll be able to unpack them and teach them. And I think, you know, like I said, I thought that the theme was going to show up in a different way for that second week and that we'd be able to focus more on like partnership and promise. And I just kind of had to lay that to the side because I was like, that's not that's not really the main thing. Like I said, the partner thing was there a little bit, the promise maybe, but like it was really about like trusting God amidst a pretty trash circumstance. I'm still seeing in Philippians 3, which is coming up then, but I'm seeing more about the posture and perspective that you had brought up on week one. So I'm thinking, you know, is it stealing <laughs> from from Ryan or, but it's Paul. He keeps repeating this. No, too. totally. I mean, I'll be going to posture this coming week again. I mean, it's the, it's Christ's example of humility before us. I mean, I think that I really do think that those two themes were like pretty, they were like right there from the jump. Yeah, I'm. I'm interested when we talk about. Um, I mean, in essence, we're talking about interpretation, right? We're reading, we're reading from other people what their interpretations are, and realizing that anytime we read um, anything, let alone God's word, there's a certain amount of our own information and experiences that we're bringing into the text, um, and especially with a with the Bible, you get so much re-readability in it because. At one season in your life, this meant one thing, and now I'm in a different season of my life, and this means a different thing. Have you guys, and I'll give you a, a second to, to think about this because I know it's a bigger question, but in your guys' experience, reading through Philippians, um, has the book changed quite a bit in your eyes or your understanding of it, even getting into this research process of preaching a whole series on resilient joy? and? I know for me, I came into Philippians um, with a different understanding because I had read it um, for the first time when I was a, a new Christian, and I was like, "This is awesome! Like, it's happy Paul. It's not mm-hmm. like fire and brimstone Paul." Mm-hmm. And the more I read it, is I still get an idea of this is a, a church that Paul likes and appreciates, but there is still instruction there, and it's not mm-hmm. just this victory lap for the Philippians of like, you guys are killing it. Let's just point all these things out. There's still instruction in there. It's just done in a different way than we see with the letter to the Corinthians who had a lot of things they needed to get into order. So I'm curious, has has this book, um, 
maybe not changed is the right word, but have you have new things come from it since you've started the research of it? Well, for me, yes. Um, I think the first time it showed up big in my life was it was part of our wedding counseling and reading at our wedding. So um, the section you're preaching on this week coming Mm up, uh, Philippians 2, was read at our wedding. So as a young couple, we um, wanted to emulate Christ's humility in our life. Um, And so as a bride, I'm looking at it. Later in life, um, I'm looking at it through the lens of seeing people at the very end of their lives and being transformed by this resilient joy as they're losing everything else, including their lives. Um, And so I read it through that perspective because I picture Paul losing everything like a deathbed scenario, even though he's got his wits about him, obviously, and he's got a pen in his hand. Um, So I read it through that lens then. And I'm not sure I really studied it as a guidebook for resilient joy. I don't think I've ever really studied it in that light until now. So it's even giving fresh, fresh wind. Yeah. I've always kind of understood Paul as this like joy book, you know, like one of the first sermon series I ever heard from a pastor of mine way back in the day was like using Philippians and calling it like, well, if I say this sermon series, you'll know who it is or you'll be able to find out who it is. But I mean, they called it, I choose joy. And um, I remember it had some impact on me back then. That's when I was like falling in love with the Bible. But you just think to yourself, like for me at that stage of my life as like a young teenager, joy was pretty easy to come by. I mean, granted, like we're all so emotional and like chaotic messes back then. (laughs) But I would say for me, there is a sense where like the illusion that like adulthood leads to greater security, leads to greater control, leads to like a sense of tranquility and peace and happiness has like just been slowly schluffed off or maybe just totally (laughs) torn from my eyes over these last few years where I've realized like, no, the quest for joy can be a battlefield at times. And it can be an absolute like just mess trying to get to that spot in your life as a follower of Jesus where you're like, you know what, just like you're saying, like Allison, I might be losing this and losing this and losing this. Like life doesn't necessarily get easier, you know, as you get older. And in many ways, it gets a lot harder. But the people I admire the most are those who are followers of Jesus and have this just like unbreakable, unshakable sense of joy in those moments of hardship. Like, that's what I want. I want to be that kind of person. Because I've it's also. It's very Enneagram four. I mean, if you're going to lean on your Enneagram four yeah. wing on that to have the suffering coupled with this, this joy, sure. right? That's like undergirding somehow. Yes, there's suffering and pain, but underneath there's something holding you up, even, you know, something carbonating you. Well, and that's, I mean, that's kind of what we like we see in this letter at the end of. Uh, Scott's message, the passage, Philippians one twenty nine. like, I don't, like, do we really understand this when Paul writes this to us? He says, for it has been granted to you. So like for you, Allison, and for you, Hayden, and for me, Ryan, as a follower of Jesus, it has been granted to us not only to believe in Christ, which is awesome, right? Like, praise God, he's granted it to us to be able to believe in like the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, like the, the one who brought in 
the new kingdom. Like, praise God. That's amazing. But then he also says this, it is not, not only to believe in Christ, but also to suffer for him. Like, it's been granted to us to suffer. I think just like sitting with that, like just being reminded like that somehow, like as we're kind of going even back to like my week talking about like when we bump up against evil, like in, in, at this portion, like it's been granted to us to like have to go through suffering to some extent. That there's some value to it. It's not to be um, numbed or fleed from, you know, that there is something to going through it um, that's going to result in something for our good, which is something I loved in your message also. Is that um, I forget how you phrased it, but I, I took a clip out of that and posted it somewhere because it was like somehow he's even using those broken pieces for our good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not like, and it's so different than like the silver lining way of looking at it. There's like, there's like some level in which like evil is still evil, but God can maneuver and dig through that and still bring about good. Like in James, he writes about this, you know, like enduring trials, you know, James one, I think like there's, there's good that can come from it. Consider it joy, right? That's what he says. Um, you had mentioned, uh, Scott's message, and that's actually where I wanted to go to next, was um, today, Monday, in our staff meeting, um, we had talked about the phrase, um, or sorry, the the verse, um, for to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. And that was something that um, I think Scott had mentioned to you, uh, of that's a lifelong learning, that's not an overnight kind of deal. I, I do want to spend some time just breaking that down. I think that the way that it's phrased is very poetic, um, but I think it's very easy to miss out on what is truly um, being communicated there. So I would just, I think it'd be cool for the both of you just to kind of give, um, I keep saying elevator pitch, but like what does that mean for you when you read that and if you were going to be living that out, what is, um, what's a deeper meaning of that verse and maybe why Scott had said this is not a overnight thing, this is something that that takes a while. Um, so like, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, reduce all my rambling down to, (laughs) yeah. What does it mean? Um, you know, while you were reading that, I was, um, I was pulling up the message translation, um, just to kind of get like another sense. Cause you said it was poetic, right? And so like, how do, how do you tease it out a little bit more? Um, you know, there's not a lot more here that like helps kind of elaborate on that concept. You know, he just writes here alive. I'm Christ's messenger. You know, so kind of spelling out Paul's role, like for me to live is Christ. Like I'm, I'm going to be Christ's messenger. Um, and dead, I, you know, to to die is gain. Like I'm his prize. I'm, I'm with him. Uh, Life versus even more life. I can't lose. So I like that last section right there, in the sense of like, there's just this sense of like, when the opposite situation of that is known as a double bind. So like, it's like you have like, it's, you have one bad decision versus another bad decision. It's like a double, it's like you can't win, right? And it's like, so we've been in that position a lot of times in life. Like, it's like, you know, this is bad, this is bad. But Paul is clearly phrasing it like, this is, I can't lose, I can't lose in this situation. Like it's either life here or more life. And I can't help but like drop back up to where Paul's like, you know, you might think that me being in prison has been bad, but it's actually served to advance the gospel. Like, I just don't think we can get to this spot where to live as Christ and to die as gain until like our good is the advancement of the gospel. 
but maybe that's just a very rudimentary understanding. I love that. I love that. Yeah. It just makes my heart pound to think of that, right? To own that and internalize that and have that be all that you're thinking of. Um, so when you encounter a difficulty or a diagnosis or a crisis, um, to be like, oh my gosh, well, okay, what does Christ have for me here? Can this advance the gospel? And for that to like give light to your eyes and the lift to your step, like a resilient joy to look at it that way instead of like, oh my gosh, this sucks. This, I can't handle this. Jesus, remove this from me. Surely you don't want me to suffer, right? So I'm going to pray against any suffering, you know, but for it to be more the opposite, like work in me, do something here. Like this is, this is a great opportunity to advance the gospel. Yeah. But man, is that a hard spot to get into? I've seen when, people do it though, haven't I, you? I have. I mean, but like when like, we're so focused on ease of living and comfort, that is the furthest thing from our minds. Like you lose your job and for you to be like, you know what, Lord, though, like I'm encountering this trial, you can use it in some way to advance the gospel, to bring glory to your name. Use it and, and show yourself and, and prove yourself and work in a powerful way. That that takes faith. And so, like, would God give us the faith? Would God give those who are listening right now, like, the faith to be able to step into that spot regardless of what you're going through and be like, you know what, I'm going to reframe this. I'm not going to, like, have this pity party. I think there's, obviously, there's a time to mourn. There's a time to grieve. There over... is, and that's a tenuous place to enter a conversation with someone who is suffering. Like, your 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 child just gets a terminal diagnosis, right? And I'm not going to sit with that person and say, but you know what? This can advance the gospel. This is so great. This is a good thing in your life. No, exactly. We're <laughs> going to be like, no, that's awful. That's evil. And right. we're going to pray yeah. that your child is healed. Yes. Because yeah. that's God's that's God's will for your child's life. Yeah. Is that, that, you're, that he would be healed of that illness. But if not, we are going to trust that even still, God can use all, God uses all things for your good because he loves you, because you're called according to his purposes. Mm -hmm. um, so let's lean in and trust that and yep. look for that. Like yes. on the horizon, yes. let's look for him to come mm -hmm. and rescue and work in this. Yep. Totally. Yeah. But it is a hard, that's a hard conversation. Well, then, to but have then again, people. even Paul says, I had this thorn in my flesh and I prayed that God would remove it. But then what does Paul say? Like in his weakness, God was made strong. Like there was like God still used that, yeah. right? Actually, it was a God-given purpose for that thorn to work in his life where comfort couldn't have, right? Or just ease or open doors uh, did not work that way, did not work that purpose. Just keep him humble. Mm -hmm. um, it's getting to be about that time where we wrap up. I just wanted to um, point out from Scott's message yesterday, one of the verses that... Uh, always makes me chuckle a little bit. Verse 24. Um, I know that Paul is a very humble man and um, is, a, is a great dude, but <laughs> when he says, but it's more vital for your sake that I remain, I'm like, <laughs> I if I didn't know about his humility, that's the most yeah. pretentious thing I've ever read. I know. I know. <laughs> and every time I read it, I'm like, man. Who's that's my guy? life first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> It's good for me to be here, guys. Yeah, that's, you know, that's not bad. I no, need to good. work that in my repertoire. Um, well, this kind of concludes our value pack episode, two for one. Yeah. Um, is there anything else before we, we close it out um, that you guys want to share? 
No, I think we covered all the bases. But Allison, yeah. do you have anything? No, I'm just I'm I'm just exceedingly joyful about this series, and I can't wait for it to continue. I'm sad already about it ending. I just feel like this is something that we really needed. We really needed it um, as a congregation. We've been through um, hard and heavy things, and uh, we've needed to learn uh, the discipline of joy and how to how to unfold this in our lives. It it's here in Philippians. That's so good. The discipline of joy, and that really is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not a mood. It's, it's a choice mm-hmm. in many respects. So, you know, it's not over yet though, Allison. We've got many more <laughs> weeks. Lose joy over and when this. it is over, don't cry because it's over. <laughs> yeah. Laugh because <laughs> it happened. Right? Yeah, isn't that the, isn't that right. the well, phrase? And here? also it, it could get really bad, the series. Like it could just drop off. That's true. In three weeks, be, that better yep. not be the thing. <laughs> like week yeah, there five, have been some, it's just like, whoa, this went down. There have been some TV shows where like this started strong and then yeah. all of a sudden just tailed off. I'm going like, to jump lots. the shark when exactly. I do it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like it's, well, just yet to be Whatever determined. Whatever I can yeah. do for ratings. Let's let's temper <laughs> expectations. Yeah. Okay? I think that's what we need Fair. to take away from this podcast. That's the next series, Tempered <laughs> Expectations. <laughs> I don't. I Life's don't hate that idea. I don't hate it. Yeah, let's so, write it down. Something, something it about Christmas related, yeah. you know, tempered expectations. Tempered yeah. expectations. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening or watching the follow up podcast, and we will see you guys next week. See you guys. Bye.